Welcome back to the Auto Amateur Podcast. This is James. Another Friday, another opportunity to sit in your car or in your living room or wherever it is and listen to me rattle on about Porsche with other like-minded Porsche enthusiasts. What could be better? Uh, Today, as ever, I'm joined by a special guest. Uh, He's actually returning to the podcast from Series 1. His name is Andrew Gladden and he runs 911 South. You may be familiar with him from his YouTube channel or his Instagram both of which are pumping out really high-quality content. He's got a great eye for photography. His videos are really interesting. Plus, he likes to modify his cars. So clearly, there is a connection there because yours truly likes to do that as well, as you know. (laughs) Um, Since I last spoke with Andrew, uh, he's been doing a whole boatload of mods to his 911. It looks very different now than it did even just a year ago. So we're going to be talking about that on today's session. He's also been renovating his garage, and you know that I like a good finished garage. He's been putting out this OG garage spec series on um, on YouTube, and that's not for uh, Ice-T's original gangster CD from the 90s. That is for Obsessed Garage. Those of you who like Matt Mormon and everything he puts out through Obsessed Garage, or OG as uh, he's now known, um, it's it's really fantastic. He's been putting down flooring and electrical and lighting, and we're going to be talking about that as well. Uh, I'm also going to be seeing Andrew at Luft in a couple of weeks uh, in Indianapolis, so we're going to talk a little bit about how we can potentially collaborate. Anyway, let's get Andrew on and uh, let's get some Porsche banter on the go. Andrew, welcome back to the Auto Amateur Podcast. Thanks, James. Appreciate uh, you having me on for a second time. I guess that means I passed the test the first go around. Oh, absolutely. Just uh, it's taken an embarrassing amount of time to get you back. Um, I've got to say though, before we before we get into any of this, I've got loads to ask you and just just basically clap about all of the mods you've been doing for your uh, your nine nine one. How close did we get to meeting each other in person in Atlanta a few months ago? It, it must have been a matter of yards. Based on, yeah, your vlog, I think it was. Um, I, you know, so that event, I mean, now that you've been there, you kind of understand the scale. It's massive. And so it's very easy. Like I have very close friends in Atlanta that we don't get a chance to drive over together, but we're like, yeah, we're definitely going to meet up and hang while we're there. And I can't find them. And we end up going home like 10 minutes apart and we didn't even see each other. So um, (laughs) I think I was over in like the larger lot that had a lot more of like the classic European cars and stuff, um, kind of on the other yeah. side of those trees where the Porsche sort of corral is, when you were in yeah. the Porsche area and then we did like a loop and kind of came back to our cars, I think right as you were making your way over there. So very close yeah. indeed, but uh, again, not uncommon at that event that you miss somebody like that. I, I just wasn't prepared. So for people listening, that's Caffeine and Octane in Atlanta, just outside. Is it the Dunwoody Mall? Is, do, I, do I remember it's that a, correctly? Yeah, Perimeter Mall in Dunwoody. Perimeter Mall in Dunwoody. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been to a number of cars and coffee events. I, I heard that this was the biggest, and I was expecting a lot. Um, but yeah, wow. I mean, I I, I was I only had like an hour and a half to, to walk around there before having to head back to Minnesota. Um, so time was limited anyway, but... I didn't get out of that little Porsche area, and all all I could see for as as far as the eye could see was just a sea of heads and cars and more cars and more heads. Um, it, it was incredible. What uh, what a fantastic 
fantastic event. I'd love to go back again. Uh, but I, I remember um, doing a live stream and I spotted you out of the corner of my eye and was like, oh, I'm going to have to go and say hello to Andrew. And then you got talking to somebody and um, yeah, it was close. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we came really close. Well, that's okay. It gives us an uh, excuse to meet up at Luft instead. Exactly. I'm really looking forward to that event. And I, I've got another one in Chicago before then, but uh, I, have you been to one of those before? I have not. And so um, I haven't been to any of the previous loops out on the West Coast. It's obviously just quite a haul, especially from Atlanta. Um, yeah. And then when they announced Durham, I was obviously really excited because that's super close for us and easy to drive, which is great. So we could bring the cars, maybe hit the mountains on the way through. Um, yeah. Then, of course, was bummed when they had to postpone it, although I think that was the right call just because of how that event works. I don't think doing that in like a modified fashion would quite have the sizzle. Um, right. And so, yeah, I'm psyched this year um, that it's an indie. Unfortunately, I've got, well, I say unfortunately. Fortunately for me, I'll be up in the Smokies that next Wednesday for a three-day drive with the P-Car Talk guys. So um, wow. when I thought about driving to and from Indy and then turning around on Monday and Tuesday and working and then driving to um, the Smokies and driving for three more days at you know good pace, um, that all seemed a bit much. So I'm actually flying up um, to Indy for Luft. So I'll get in Thursday okay. and leave Saturday late um, after the races over at the Speedway. Yeah. Oh, very nice. You know, I, I haven't taken a flight in nearly, I want to say, a year, year and a half now, 18 months. I used to fly like two or three times a week, and now I haven't flown in over a year and a half. I, I, I've lost my status. I'm sad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, so I don't know what I airline. I never want to fly again. Yeah, I don't know what airline you typically fly, but um, obviously I fly a lot of Delta here, being Atlanta. Yeah. And I also had, um, you know, two, three times a month kind of regular uh, cadence of travel and for what it's worth, Delta froze status for everybody, and they actually extended it again. So I think I keep my like platinum medallion status through uh, like twenty twenty three or something, even if I don't travel at really? all. Really? Yeah, they really I think are concerned um, that you know their business customers, loyalty customers, are gonna like jump ship. Yeah. You know, if you just drop to nothing after you built all that, it's like, well, maybe I should switch yeah. to a different carrier. So yeah, it's great. They're um, really stepping up, and um, so I've flown three or four times probably in the last uh, five four or five months. For work okay. and um, you know it's definitely different um, I'll tell you what the customer service is spectacular because really? most of the people in that industry right now are um, so thankful that they're travelers again yeah. you know and so I think yeah. it's given them a whole new take on you know the, wow. uh, the business because they realize how important um, that is to their livelihood so yeah it's been great yeah. they've been the flights have been spectacular so that's actually good news for me I'm, I'm a diamond Delta flyer and I just assumed that my status was gone Double so check. Should be I, frozen. I need to double check. Yeah. Yep. yep. God, yep. that was a that was a milestone. Like buying a nine eleven, <laughs> similar kind of ballpark. Uh, getting yeah. diamond, not Delta. It is a big deal. I hit diamond my first year with my company, so like two thousand seventeen or something. I was traveling overseas all yeah. the time, and so yeah, it's like uh, you're you're definitely in like a little VIP club at that level. Um, the difference between platinum and diamond is remarkable. It's um, it's yeah. kind of like a, almost a hybrid of like a private experience. Um, so yeah, kind of. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, those are the days. Who knows when I'm going to get back onto a onto a plane? But uh, yeah, I'm going to be driving to Luft. I'm going to be taking my uh, my 911, um, and then just a few weeks after that, I'm going to the Tale of the Dragon. But enough about that. Let's talk about you. You have been so busy. Like there, are, you've been putting out great content. You you you're killing Instagram, YouTube videos. You've got the 991 build series, which has been really fun to watch. And I've actually 
taken inspiration from a couple of your mods like the uh, painting the brake calipers and you've got your OG spec garage series which um, you know in some ways I've been enjoying well maybe not more but that's just a really enjoyable series as well to see you transform that that garage around um, you know like do you sleep uh, I do yeah I do sleep so this is kind of funny I know um, you talked a lot about uh, like right before I think it's your third right that your wife just had um, yeah came you were trying to like get so much stuff done because you knew once that hit you'd kind of be on hiatus yeah. for a little bit so um, so yeah. yeah we're expecting and so I, I think part of it is like just subconscious motivation to say okay I gotta get all this stuff done before I'm too tied up with our second um, but then also um, you know the 991 build, you know, I did a lot at once and you know this probably pretty well, but you know, a lot of that actually is just backlog of content. And so um, I really went out of my way on this build to film everything because I got so much Mm -hmm. feedback on that 993 um, where people said, wow, this is incredible, but I wish you had taken us through all the steps and your thought process and how to do it. And so I took that to heart. I filmed a ton of content. And so I've had this drive with just so much raw video from the 9M1. And so the fact that you see all these coming out doesn't necessarily mean I've done all these in the last six to eight weeks. It's just that I actually found the time to sit down and edit all of those. And then on the garage series, I really needed to change the garage. And I explained that in the series when you go watch the first episode and see what I started with, it was kind of a mess. But um, I wanted to film that because it's really different content. And I think that the channels I love the most that I follow the variety of content when it comes to, I don't know, like even lifestyle vlogging that's non-car related. Yeah. When I see car people yeah. um, putting up videos like that, it's just a more, I don't know, well-rounded kind of experience content-wise. So I want to do the Garage um, series just to bring something similar, but like a little different from, you know, just drives and builds and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's related, but it's, it's completely different. I also think that a lot of people... Um, you know, I kind of always have this mantra with the builds of you know, kind of like bang for the buck and this hybrid between DIY and you know, professionally installed, which I know you do as well. And yeah. so for the garage, I when I surveyed um, the landscape of YouTube, kind of trying to figure out what I want to do in my garage, looking for inspiration from other videos, I didn't see a whole lot of um, content that was really like how-to and well done. I mean, there certainly are some how-tos on like individual elements, but nobody really start to finish like transformation of a garage um, a but b very little on old stuff and so i did find a lot of videos of people who have houses from like 2000 to 2020 you know so the last 20 years where you got square walls and it's you know kind of a built-in attached garage underneath you know a bedroom or whatever and a lot of videos on that stuff but not much on like detached garages older garages garages with like exposed pitch ceilings and stuff like that so i thought it would be interesting to you know, offer up something that I just didn't see a lot of out there um, in terms of the, you know, how to do it and especially how to do it with an old garage. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And it, it's it's really come along just superb, like fantastic. Did you have um, did you have an end state in mind before you started or did you say, okay, well, I like this color for the walls, let's do the walls and yeah. now I'll figure out what I'm going to do for the floor. And did you go bit by bit or did you did you have that sort of panacea in mind before you got started? Yeah, I really actually had the complete concept in mind with the exception of the floor. Um, But I did have a good sense um, in that I borrowed, frankly, a lot from Obsessed Garage and their channel, which I mentioned a bunch of times in the video. Um, Yeah. 
in terms of how to mount the cabinets and kind of the array and the types of drawers versus doors and custom countertops and things like that. So I did yeah. take a lot of inspiration from that. And then um, you know, had every intent to do epoxy flooring in there and was mm-hmm. planning to do it DIY um, on that spectrum of DIY versus professional install. I think sometimes yeah. I actually probably edge too much to the DIY side to a fault in a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. And I get myself in trouble, which is fine. It's nice to learn from that stuff. I think it's still valuable even if you mess it up because then you now know and going forward you have that knowledge. But um, on the floors, you know, I started just doing the research and adding up the cost and just realized to do epoxy floors DIY was still going to be a very large investment um, mm-hmm. and with probably subpar results. And then to do it professionally was as expensive or more expensive than Swiss tracks, which is what I ended up doing. And um, yeah. for a lot of reasons, other reasons, like the fact that we have a pea gravel driveway and stuff, I landed on the Swiss tracks. That was probably the only one that was kind of a discovery. Outside of yeah. that, I actually had a pretty clear vision of how I wanted to um, set up the garage right from the get-go. Okay, that's cool. And you've had to do some sort of infrastructure work as well, right? So electricity, it's not just a case of slapping on panes and cabinets and putting a floor down. You've actually you've done other stuff as well, right? I did. This was the maximum amount of infrastructure work that I was comfortable doing by myself. (laughs) So um, I had to move some wiring and outlets around um, in order to move power where it needed to be hidden to run through the cabinet system. But um, it's all surface mounted conduit. And so that's kind of that breaking point between, you know, fishing wires through drywall and stuff versus what I had. So I decided to DIY that, which turned out well. Um, Definitely quadruple check that breaker probably more times than I can remember. Um, then I had to run a little plumbing. And so we've got a um, hose bib on the exterior of our home that's, I don't know, maybe 20 feet from the garage itself, which is detached. Yeah. So I had to do kind of a plumbing uh, run out to the garage and then kind of go through the exterior block wall in order to do oh, the, wow. the wall-mounted pressure uh, washer solution to get yeah. a new hose bib to feed the washer, to do a bucket filler, all that kind of stuff. So those are really the main infrastructure projects, a little bit of sealing up of the um, garage ceiling with you know spray foam, you know simple stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, generally um, that was kind of the extent of it. And then the rest was cabinets and paint and flooring and whatever. That's fantastic. Now, is this gonna be a Porsche only garage or are you having to share it? Uh, it's shared. It's always been shared. That's been a um, non-starter from day one with our garage. So um, it is, let's just put it this way. There was never a chance that my other car, my daily driver, the Range Rover um, Sport was ever going to be in that garage. So my yeah. wife's my wife's X5 occupies the other side, which makes the okay. most sense, to be honest, um, because it is the newest car that we own with the lowest amount of mileage. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like a 2017, 16 and so um, okay. it's the one that we want to take the most care of um, if yeah. I'm being super objective. So yeah, she occupies one side, the Porsche occupies the other side, um, the lowly uh, Range Rover sits outside. But you know, it's rugged, so I think, uh, I think she yeah. can handle it. Yeah, good, good for you. Yeah, I um, you know, gotta keep, gotta keep Ruthie happy. Uh, her Highlander, which is her pride and joy, uh, is right in the middle of my 996 on the right and my 991 on the left and uh when she's out and i come home and open the garage it just looks so great yeah well (laughs) yeah for photo ops and video so the last video i do actually need to do for that garage is kind of a um i want to do like a cinematic overview of everything with call outs so people so the people don't want to watch every bit of the series 
because I get that there's some people yeah. that just want to see kind of the final product. Um, it'll yeah. be kind of a quick overview of everything I did all at once and kind of what I bought and where to get it and all that. So for that, um, I definitely will be clearing out the garage, may even park the Porsche diagonally across both spaces, the whole deal. So yeah, it, oh, it's a nice. nice it's a nice look when you've got you know just the Porsche yeah. and like a really dialed in garage, much like you do as well. And you know it's yeah. it's a feel good moment. Um, I spent a lot of time out there, which is telling because. It's brutally hot in Atlanta right now. Obviously, it's the yeah. I was gonna say, but uh, I'm out there sweating because I just love being out there so much right now with how that garage turned out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, um, like air conditioning. Have you considered that, or is it not practical with the doors, the doors being open? And you know, I really thought hard about air conditioning. Um, what I decided to do is I put a large industrial size fan. It's quite large, fifty yes. some, sixty some inches, maybe. Um, I yeah. put that in the, it's nestled in the top of the slope roof. It actually worked out perfectly. But mm-hmm. um, I basically said, look, let me use that in July and August, and which is like the most extreme stress test for the space. Yeah. Uh, if it's unbearable, I may put in a mini split. Um, you've probably yeah. seen these like Mr. Cool systems that are even yeah. kind of like pre-charged. They're plug and play, which is spectacular. Um, yeah. So I thought about maybe doing a mini split. But to be honest, it really hasn't been that bad. My, my deal okay. is if I go out there and open both doors and flip the fan on for five to 10 minutes prior to being out there for a while to either detail the car mm-hmm. or do a project, it moves all the hot air out. It really just gets trapped in the top because it's got that slope roof, it moves all that yeah. out uh, through the doors. And then because of the yeah. shade and the fan's going, it's, I don't know, in the high 70s, maybe 80-ish temp in there, even yeah. if it's in the 90s or whatever outside. So it's it's very doable. Um, and so I think I'm going to be able to hold off on air conditioning. I mean, for, for anybody outside of the U.S. listening to this, like my friends in the U.K., they don't call it <laughs> hot lanta for nothing. Yeah, it's I pretty. Mean, it, it's pretty is, it is hot as balls down there. I, I did a job. I've done a couple of jobs in the city of Atlanta and... Um, I'd stay on uh, Peachtree, you know, where the, the, the Western is. and uh, Oh, yeah. That's uh, like you know, literally almost walking distance from my house. Oh, really? Yep. No way. Yep. Yeah, we live uh, right so, down the street. So, uh, oh, wow. So, I'd, yeah, I'd stay there on Peachtree and I'd walk down to, um, you know, down the hill, whichever way, you know, I'd, I'd need to go to the office. And it was even just a couple of blocks in my suit. And I'd turn up and it'd just be like... I'd taken a shower in my suit. It was yeah. just unbelievable. Well, your, your first mistake was wearing a suit in the summer. Nobody in Atlanta True. wears suits in the summer. It's a uh, yeah. you know yeah. uh, button-up shirt with the sleeves rolled up and uh, the lightest fabric pants you can find, and then you're still sweating. Oh. Um, so you oh know this God. is this is that time of year. The good news is, come September, you know we turn a corner and we have what I think is the absolute best season here in the southeast, which is the fall. Um, and okay. so it cools off. And like in October, you're not even worried about what it was like in July and August. And it's nice okay. enough in the fall that it kind of primes you to be okay with what's coming next summer. <laughs> so, right, and, right. Uh, you know, that's the deal down here. You know, so I've got to say, um, there was a Mexican restaurant um, opposite the Western on Peachtree in the base of another hotel. I forget the name of it now. Maybe it was called Agave. I don't know. But it was fantastic. And, you know, I'd be there for a week, and I'd pretty much go and eat there every night. Uh, I <laughs> do, though. Yeah, elsewhere. I know exactly which one you're talking about. I think it's got, like, some okay. greenery and wood sliding and stuff on the exterior. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's um, This area we live in has got um, a tremendous number of great restaurants. Um, it's kind of like the perfect 
blend between in town and suburb living. So like any further north okay. is very suburbs, um, but which is fine. Um, any further south than us really gets into like city city. And so, yeah, there's yeah. just awesome restaurants, uh, like a little pocket, older pocket neighborhoods, all that. Um, so we love this part of town and, and a lot of people who travel stay in that area for that exact reason. You know, you're walking distance. It's yeah. basically some of the best restaurants in Atlanta. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, well, I could talk about Atlanta for a long time. I had a lot of fun there. What, what does, just one last thing on Atlanta. What does amaze me is how all of these Marvel superhero movies and, uh, you know, TV shows are filmed in Atlanta and you, you know, how, how would you expect people to run around, do stunts in spandex in 90 degree heat with hundred percent humidity? Yeah. It's a little counterintuitive to be sure. Um, but you know, the state has put such a focus on incentivizing the film industry here. Um, that it's it's almost uh, no brainer when you're looking at shooting locations in terms of how much cheaper it is to film here and the variety yeah. of scenery. You've got everything from downtown Atlanta to um, you know kind of more remote areas just outside of Atlanta to yeah. um, the coast. You know, three to four hours away, yeah. you can film down yeah. Savannah or uh, St. Simons or any of those you know kind of Georgia coastal islands and get a whole different scenery. So. Yeah, lots of filming here. I'm with you. I see these people in like full makeup and costume, and they're filming in like July, and this the blocks closed down. And I'm like, you couldn't pay me. Well, I guess you could pay me probably what they get paid to do it, but um, <laughs> it it looks brutal. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. So, so back to your 991. You, let's talk through the mods that you've been doing in the past year. You've done styling. You've done. A whole bunch of stuff. Tell tell folks listening uh, what you've been doing. And, and by the way, I, I mentioned at the beginning, and I'll mention again. Um, if you're listening to this and you've got your phone, you should open up Instagram and go check out 911 South. Um, it you know the, the whole sort of uh, journey is 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 uh, chronicled though. It looks fantastic. But let's let's talk about the mods you've done. So I've done a little bit of everything on this one, um, and it's basically one step further, I'd say, than the 9M3. Um, so similar to 9M3, I did on this 9M1 uh, Aero. So the car's a tech art Aero kit. Actually, one project that I've got in the works that I'm going to start probably over the weekend is the very last part of that is a set of angled Aero wings that actually um, oh. they nestle inside of the like grill, like the kidney-shaped grill openings on the nine, standard yeah. 991S bumper to give yeah. it a little more aggressive look. I know I reached out to you about doing a GTS uh, bumper swap like you've done, which I think is spectacular. And I was about to go down that path. And then I figured I want to try the um, aero wings, little blades, because really that's what's made for that kit, and that would complete the entire TechArt package. Yeah. The problem is they're like $1,200 a piece from TechArt. And it's that's Oof. insane because they're made out of plastic. And yeah. so I found them um, from a seller in Hong Kong um, for like a quarter of that. And so oh, wow. I was able to um, luckily uh, source that. And so I've got them now and they're being painted and I'm going to put those on. But full TechArt arrow kit, uh, spoiler side skirts and a front lip uh, or splitter and then these little arrow wings. And then wheels. So I went to uh, Titan 7, 20 inch forge wheels in like a nice satin gunmetal type color. Been super happy with those. I get so many compliments. Um, they're very BBS uh, FI looking uh, for sure, um, but way cheaper. And so I've got a whole video on that, which you can see on the channel. And then uh, I did a 9M1.2 rear facelift. 
on the car just because I felt like the 9M1 rear um, was a little out of balance, I guess, with the aero kit. The aero kit's yeah. sort of middle level aggressive. I mean, it's not like a GT3 level or, you know, and it, yeah. like the TechArt um, GT Street package, which is very aggressive. Uh, it's kind yeah. of the middle, but still, I felt like the back just needed a little punch. Um, so, you know, the dot two bumper had the little vented sections on the bottom. Uh, it's got the 3D taillights that you can use, you know, just a little more contour to it. And so I did that swap and swap the taillights as well and then that uh, that's one of my favorite jobs that you've done in the past year and it's it's one that i've considered doing a lot because as much as i like the 991.1 when the 991.2 came out and i saw those 3d taillights i just immediately got turned off of the dot ones yeah they're just uh, just two-dimensional three-dimensional they look fantastic so yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about that mod, but if I do that mod, I'm going to want to get rid of the eyebrow lights at the front. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's a rabbit hole, right? Um, because one <laughs> yeah. one mod basically kicks off another one to kind of like match the style. Yeah. So, but yeah, I've been really happy with that. Um, it's worked out really well. I actually, if you watch the video on it, I actually ended up with a um, uh, like a GTS uh, for 4S bumper. Which was interesting. Yeah. It's not was not by design. It was based on a um, like a poorly described eBay ad for the source oh, bumper. Right. And so yeah. um, I actually I've been running some mesh in there, which I've been sort of happy with, but I wasn't like completely satisfied with the fit and finish on it. And so I actually just finished a project to install a third uh, center tail light in that section, which uh, would come on the um, the car if you ordered the, oh. that bumper. And I'm also okay. working on a mod. <laughs> There's always something, right? I'm also working on a modification to actually uh, tie that into the license plate lights so it's illuminated. Because if your headlights are on with the dot two 3D taillights, the top yeah. the top strip of that taillight, not the whole ring, but the, just the top level, is lit for running lights. Oh. Um, and so if this center bar is illuminated, you'll have a continuous strip, kind of 992-esque. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, I'm working on that as we speak. So that's kind of one project in the in the works. And then the only other exterior element that is another project I haven't done yet, which is also being painted, is I am swapping to the uh, like Sport Aero mirrors, the GT3 style split oh, uh, very mirrors. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. Again, just a, the TechArt kit is great. I, I'm really a huge fan of it. I've, I've gotten tons of positive feedback on it. I think bang for the buck, yeah. it's a really good option if you don't want to do any of the factory kits, which are also really good. Um, but the, it's got little things where just, I wanted the bumper a little punchy. I think the mirrors need to be a little more arrow, that kind of stuff. So this should really round out the full arrow look, um, once I get the mirrors and kind of the yeah. brake light mod and that kind of stuff. And then the exterior's like definitely done. Um, I can't really do much more anyway, cause I've ceramic coated <laughs> the car. Um, I spent a yeah. ton of time correcting and coating the car. And so it'd be silly to, yeah. um, start screwing around again. Cause then I got to correct and coat panels and who knows what. So. Yeah. That's kind of helping me stay away. But then, besides that, it's been a lot of performance. It's DSC controller. It's uh, Cobb Tune. It's uh, TechArt lowering springs, change the center of gravity on the vehicle. You know, those yeah. kinds of things have really been the element that I didn't do much on the 9M1. The 9M1 was stock engine, you know, stock everything. This one I've really yeah. gone beyond and wanted to do those performance upgrades as well. Uh, now, before I ask you about the controller, um, are your uh, new GT3-like mirrors going to be carbon fiber tops? 
they're not. Um, and so I know that's disappointing for you because I know Opp- how opportunity you love missed, by. my friend. I know, I know. You know, to be honest, I'm not a big carbon person, and I know carbon cut, kind of cuts both ways. Some people absolutely love it. Yeah, I know you're a massive fan, um, and some people it's not their thing. And I'm one of those people. I'm not a big carbon person, but uh, I am doing them two tone. Um, so I had, you know, they send you all the parts, you know, basically, um, you know, like factory prime, but. I decided yeah. instead of painting the entire mirror body color, I'm going to paint the housing, the large housing itself, the body color, of course, and then the little arms that are kind of the split part that support the bottom of the mirror, I'm going to do in like a matte kind of satin black to kind of tie oh, into nice. the wheels and, you know, those concepts on the car. So oh, yeah. kind of a subtle two-toned kind of look to the mirror. Oh, that's going to look so great. And I really like the little pops of uh, Miami Blue that you've got with your uh, calipers and uh, your seatbelts. Those, so yeah, nice. those turned out really well. I think that color works um, well for a black car. I've gotten you know a lot of compliments yeah. on that one, but you know picking a color is so challenging. Um, yeah, I, I think I've shared before, but you know with the nine nine three and with this car, I trust um, my most reliable source of color choices, which is my wife. She's very good at yeah. steering me away from colors that I think might look really cool because I see them on some picture somewhere, and she's like, "No, that's gonna look awful." <laughs> So yeah, she's great. She's the uh, the colorist behind all these builds. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Um, all right. So the the uh, the controller. The, the, this is a mod that I am suspicious of, frankly. Okay. It's it's a it's a little box. It's a thousand or so dollars. Yep. You just pop it out. You pop it in. Surely Porsche <laughs> would have created a fantastic controller for their car. And 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 why would they let a third party come along? and create something that's so easy to change for a thousand dollars that just seems like madness to me it's like what what have Porsche missed that these guys haven't I'm with you Uh, I was equally skeptical and then I started watching some videos and the one video that did it for me honestly was uh, that Matt Mormon over at Obsessed Garage um, put a uh, DSC controller I'm pretty sure on his dot one GT3 and his dot two gt3 and he's also um i think done one on his new gt4 and so i watched those videos and if you've watched a lot of his channel you know that he's pretty no bs um he's really not yeah I mean, he's not getting paid or sponsored by any of these companies you know and he tells it like it is and so i figured that if anybody was going to call it out and say you know what honestly it's not uh, worth it or it's a bunch of crap or i don't notice it or whatever it'd be him that said, he also is working in a different context, you know, from a budget standpoint and, you know, that he does this as a business and things like that. So you got to consider that, that is it enough bang for the buck? That's probably less of what I took from the video because he's coming at that from a whole different angle than me paying like out of pocket, you know, as like right. an enthusiast. But I still trusted his opinion enough to try it out. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I did not pay retail for this. So very similar to that Cobtoon video I did where I kind of go into is the Cobtoon worth the money? If you watch the end of that video, you'll hear me say that I think if you're going to pay retail, it's on the fence. It's questionable for a naturally aspirated engine, to be clear, not a dot two with a turbo. Right. Um, yeah. So the DSC, I think, is similar, to be honest. If you're paying full-blown retail, is it that big of a difference to justify the cost? Very hard to say. But I picked mine secondhand. Um, I've got a buddy here who's uh, big into track driving. He had a dot one okay. 991 that was totally set up with a bunch of with amazing stuff. And he had just moved into a dot two and he was sort of uh, demodding his dot one. And the yeah. DSC controller was coming out. And I don't even remember how he connected over it. But anyway, he sold it to me for 
you know, maybe 70% of retail. You know, it's not like I got it okay. like half, half off or something, but you know, yeah. I saved, you know, three, four, 500 bucks, something like that. And so I figured for that, what's the harm, right? And by the way, I could probably flip it because I bought it under retail and I could probably go sell it on the 9M1 Facebook page, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So I said, I'm gonna give it a shot, make a video. So I did, and I will tell you that um, at that price point especially, it's it makes a noticeable difference. It's a very subtle mod, but it does make a difference. It rides much smoother in the city. And I do a lot of city driving because we live in town. And so the roads around us are terrible. And so it makes yeah. a big difference there. Now my car is on TechArt Springs, which are stiffer than stock. They're not as stiff as you would get with like H&R or something more aggressive. They're kind of in the middle, but much stiffer ride. When I got the springs on, I was like, oh man, this is stiff, like it's noticeable. And so, you know, it's on lowering springs. um, And so this helps a lot with the bumps in the city. In the mountains, and I ran actually in the mountains alone about six weeks ago, maybe longer than that, maybe two months ago, which if you've never done that, highly recommend. Not having to keep, I mean, going with the group and all that is amazing because it is so much fun and it's camaraderie and all that. And that's how I usually run. But occasionally, if you have the, if you ever have a chance to run alone, it's so cathartic and it's just so invigorating because there's no pacing, there's no keeping up, there's no slowing down. You're not yeah, either A, stressing, yeah. you're holding someone up, or B, being held up. I mean, you're literally running at your own pace and pushing yourself as hard as you want. Yeah, yeah. And the roads are pretty empty. And so I'm just listening to the soul exhaust bounce off of walls and I'm like in heaven. Um, but I ran it with the DSC and it makes a major difference in that um, I end up with a lot more confidence going in and out of corners in the mountains with the DSC because the car just feels more stable, planted, you know, nimble, mm, whatever you want to call it. So here's the way, the best analogy I would provide. Um, similar to tires, and I just put brand new tires on the car, Michelin Pilot Sport 4S is what I ended up with. But I surveyed a bunch of people and I said, you know, what do you think about tires? I had everything from you know, hey, go with one of the, um, you know, kind of Asian, you know, lower price brands. What's the difference? I run them on my car. I'm super happy to, hey, you know, these, um, you know, kind of mid-tier brand ones are great. Or, hey, I love P0s. But not a lot of people said that, to be honest. But, you know, I got the full spectrum. And so I would um, say the DSC is kind of like tires in that there's no doubt you could run a mid-tier tire, even a, a low price tire in the mountains mm-hmm. and be fine. But mm-hmm. just mentally, if you're on something high performance like the Michelins, you're probably mm-hmm. just gonna have that much more confidence knowing you're running one of the highest performing options from a tire standpoint. It's gonna allow you right. to enjoy yourself more um, and really push the car a little bit more. And you probably are getting like some technical performance benefit, but it's at the level we drive as enthusiasts, that's probably actually a little less of what you're getting. I think you're getting yeah. more of just the confidence to enjoy yourself and push the car. DSC, I think, is very similar in that you know that it's doing something. It's not like if you drove without DSC, you're going to fly off the road because I've driven the car a million times in the mountains without it. It was fine. But it's just that extra level of knowing that the car is performing a little higher. Now, is that happening is your question. Like, is this legitimate? And how do you know? And why wouldn't Porsche do it? You know, I think this question comes up a lot with modifications in general. I've had plenty of yeah. people reach out on my YouTube channel, I'm sure you have as well, saying, well, you know, uh, Porsche knows what they're doing. How, why would you change the exhaust? Or, you know, that's a bad idea. Or why would you lower, put lowering springs? And the geometry is perfect from the factory. Well, everybody's got to keep in mind that Porsche has got to build these cars to the masses, okay? And for a, a wide variety of driving styles. And so not everybody 
is going to drive well, like the majority of us enthusiasts. And they may, um, you know, hop up over a curb at a shopping center, you know. So Porsche doesn't put, you know, super aggressive lowering springs on the car right. from the factory because they want a little bit of ride height clearance for that person that is going to hop the curb. And that way they're not yeah. calling Porsche saying, hey, well, you know, my rocker panels are damaged and I want this fixed under warranty. And you put the car yeah. too, car, you guys set the car too low. You know, they got to avoid all of that stuff. I think yeah. that this is kind of similar with suspension. You know, it's not that they're purpose of creating something mediocre. I think that they just have to find a balance always between performance at the at the front edge of performance and you know the reality of who's going to drive the vehicles and how they're going to use yeah. the cars and where they're going to use the cars and what environments and what countries and all this stuff. So it's a little more complicated than there's the I think classic argument you see in the forums of well Porsche knows how to set up the cars. They probably did it better than anyone else. DSC has been around for a long time, for what it's worth. Uh, I think they've been doing this like 15 or 20 years, and they do it for a lot of different makes and models, not just Porsche. Mm -hmm. So that gave me some additional confidence that, like, this is not a um, snake oil, like, brand new product, you know, just hit the market. And, you know, they've been doing this for a long time, and they have tens of thousands of customers. So they must be doing something, and there must be a level of engineering they've figured out to kind of um, game the suspension if you have PASM to make it more aggressive and more responsive than it is from the factory. Short of opening the circuit board up and um, doing an analysis, um, which I'm not, <laughs> not qualified for, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, totally. And so actually, is that a prerequisite? You need to have PASM in you order do. to... Okay. So yeah, you have to have PASM because what it's doing is it's taking the um, sensor inputs that are part of that PASM system, you know, to read um, what's going on with like uh, frequency of travel, you know, distance of travel, all that from the suspension. And it's uh, just got a brain essentially that can, you can load maps on much like an ECU tune where you can make the car behave differently based on those inputs. Um, It's also taking G-Force inputs, you know, if you have that, if you have like an INM1. Now, if you don't have PASM, um, DSC has started to sell a full package that includes um, coilover system that has the sensors and all of that in addition to the module. So you actually can retrofit your entire vehicle with a PASM-like coilover system and the module if you don't have PASM. But in my opinion, at that price, definitely not worth doing. Um, I don't think you're getting the benefit because I think it's like seven, eight, nine thousand dollars for the package before installing. It's expensive. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I, no. <laughs> yeah, the module itself, I, I, secondhand. I want to spend that. Worth. Yeah, no, exactly. And if I had that much money to spend on mods for my car, I'd probably, you know, buy some kind of carbon fiber gizmo. Yeah, exactly. Or because <laughs> that if gives you all the performance. Yeah, if you're spending eight or nine grand, we'll call it ten grand out the door installed on your suspension. <laughs> you probably just need to sell your car and upgrade to the next car in terms of like, yes. you know, go get a GT car or something because that's quite a bit to sink into a Carrera S in our case. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting you mentioned about the um, sort of comparison with the tires because I had the uh, the Pilot um, Sport 4S's on my 997 and it wasn't until I took the car to the tail of the Dragon and really threw it around the corners that I noticed what the tires did for me. I, I, I noticed a little bit on the city streets uh, when I first put them on and I had some cheapo tires uh, when I bought the car uh, which 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 got replaced so I, I could tell almost immediately that the tires were better but it, yeah it really wasn't until I took it to the mountains that I, I I sort of valued the investment I put in those tires they were just incredible um, and I I've got Bridgestone I think on my 991 right now um, which I 
I think, in fact, no, it's even worse than that. I've got Bridgestone on the front and I've got Michelin on the back, just nice. some basic Michelins, because I had, had a couple of flat tires and, you know, I, I didn't replace the whole set in one go and I probably should have done. But I'm at the point now where I'm ready. But when I was at the Tail of the Dragon just recently, I, I noticed actually that my tires weren't performing as well on my 991 as they were with the 997 on those corners. Yeah, no, it makes um, a difference. I mean, people really yeah. um, balk at the prices because, you know, it's an investment for sure. But, you know, it's the one thing that touches the ground. That's like super cliche. I mean, people say that all the time, you know, in the forums. They're like, well, it's the only thing that yeah. touches the ground. And a lot of that's like in the safety context, which I totally get. I mean, I'm not discounting yeah. that. but. You know, cliche aside, like it is true. It's the only you have all this performance in the engine and the the you know gearbox and all these things. The only thing actually meeting the road is the tire, and so translating all that performance is important. And uh, running a good set of tires is important. My original Pirelli P zeros um, are actually what were on the car, believe it or not, even though it's a 2014. Um, yeah. So. You know, those were, I think the last time I had it in a shop, somebody measured and said they were like two thirty seconds. And they kind of were like, I sure hope you're not doing anything besides like going to the grocery store uh, because that's <laughs> really low. And so once I got them off, I actually got them off yesterday and got the Michelins put on yesterday. Yeah. Um, I noticed some cracking and things even in the tread itself um, where it's starting, wow. the rubber starting to crack and very small. But, you know, when you're in the mountains, you don't want to be messing around with the wrong tires. So given the drive I've got coming up, in the Smokies, I yeah. wanted to go up there with nice fresh Michelins and just be able to rip it and um, really feel confident in the car. Yeah, I need I need to do that because you know my trip to Chicago and back, my trip to Indianapolis and back, and then my trip to the Tail of the Dragon and back, all within the space of you know six to eight weeks. Yeah. Um, the the tires I'm running right now, they are done. I'm, I'm gonna have to get those swapped. It's tire time. If you do, um, this is probably available in your area, and I'm gonna have a video on my uh, Michelins, kind of why I bought them, and a little bit of tire prep on denibbing and some really um, pretty obsessed stuff, uh, to be clear. But anyway, in that video, I'm also covering a new service that I tried, which is Tire Rack's ASAP Mobile Mountain Balance service. Oh, really? Yeah, it was spectacular. So they invested a lot, especially during COVID, in setting up their own network of vans with like Hunter machines built in to the van. Yeah. And yeah. Um, now offer mobile mountain balance for 25 a wheel. And so it's, as I don't know what you pay, but that's about as cheap as like Discount Tire and places like that yeah. here in Atlanta. That's um, yeah. way cheaper than it's more of the higher end stores. The beauty yeah. of it is, you know, you're at your house, first of all, um, so you don't have to go you know the classic story, you make a two o'clock appointment at sure. a discount, discount tire and you get there and they're like, oh yeah, you know, have a seat in the waiting room and they don't put your car in the garage till three. It's like, what the heck yeah. do you have to make an appointment for? And so you don't have that, you know, they show up when in a window, but you don't have to do anything but walk outside. Number two yeah. is for me, this is the main reason I did it. Um, if you've got high end wheels, you know, either factory or forge or whatever, they will mount them loose. And so I took all the wheels off of my own car on the lift. So I made sure they didn't get scratched. They mounted the mm -hmm. tires and then just left me the wheels with the new Michelins that I can put on myself again. So no, nice. number three is the over torque thing. Now this one I have usually been able to um, avoid by having a direct conversation with my wheel tech or tire tech at discount tire or wherever to say, Hey, I can't stress this enough. Do not use a torque gun on this car. Okay. I want the bolts in by hand and I want you to use a torque wrench and here's yeah. the spec I want in terms of torque. And usually that works, but sometimes it doesn't. And we all know what happens when they over torque, you get home and you can't yeah. get your damn wheel off or, you know, whatever. And they also yeah. will ask you what tire pressures you want. 
Um, yeah. And so I don't run factory pressures because they tend to be a little high, in my opinion. Um, and so the guy was like, hey, like, said, you tell me what pressures you want. And so it's very like, um, I, I would call it like tire concierge. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, 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 that sounds almost identical to what I get from uh, Tread Connection here in Minneapolis. And they've got, I don't know, 10 different locations around the country. But it, it's, it's basically the same thing. You can order your tires through them. You can make an appointment online. They show up to your house. They do yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah, so you're already, um, in, you're already in this club. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I am never going back. Since, um, and since I first had uh, the Tread Connection guys out to my house a couple of years ago, um, like, you know, all my buddies that drive cars in the Twin Cities now are sort of, you know, I'm forever getting, hey, well, what's the guy's name? You know, right. Tread Connection, where you get him over. Um, you just can't beat it. I'm never going back, yeah, ever going awesome. back to a discount tire ever again. Well, I, I, even for my wife's Highlander, they come out and do the uh, the work on the Highlander. I'm not taking that to discount tower anymore. That's great. Yeah, I feel like that's got to be kind of where things are going, right? Um, yeah. You know, I just feel like COVID has accelerated what was kind of already in motion, which is some of this car stuff. You know, I could envision something where, you know, regular scheduled routine maintenance as well. You know, old changes yeah. and things like that become more uh, mobile at your house. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. you know, with the technology out there, like Quickjacks, as an example, you know, they can basically bring what they need if they have a flat surface or whatever. So I just, I think that the brick and mortars need to, you know, they've already kind of lost at the um, tire purchase game, in my opinion. In yeah. most cases, like, you know, they can't beat, you know, like the people you use or, uh, or a tire rack or someone that just doesn't have the overhead right. in the brick and mortar. And now they're losing in on the install game too, in my opinion, because they're not yeah. keeping up with the, you know, fact that people are tired of waiting for four and a half hours in a you know stinky gross waiting room you know because yeah. they're so inefficient and they don't keep on schedule and all this crap and then oh by the totally. way they accidentally scratched your wheel on top of all that and they, they, they <laughs> right. want to claim they didn't so it's just yeah it's these industries that don't get with the program are going to be out of business sooner than later maybe. yeah i think so well mate great having you on the podcast again i know you've got a busy day ahead of you so uh, i'm not going to take up any more of your time uh, i'm excited to see you a couple of weeks in indianapolis we can uh, continue to share stories yeah i'm uh really looking forward to seeing you up there and um glad you're bringing the car because i can't wait to see and smell all this beautiful <laughs> uh stitched leather that you've been methodically putting into your car watch the video last night and oh you um, did yeah it's it's a blessing and a curse when I watch your content yeah. because all of a sudden I'm shopping GT bump, GTS bumpers and leather bits yeah. and all this stuff. But um, it looked like you found a great way to take care of that with uh, some of the um, parted out pieces you found and just all that, which, you know, that's like right up my alley, like getting kind of a good deal um, on yeah. projects like that. Like I love when people do that. So I was all about it and I'm sitting here thinking, man, that would look really good in Miami blue. Oh yeah, it would. So, might <laughs> it be would. a I problem always... <laughs> from a budget standpoint, but uh, I'm anxious to see all of it inside the car when uh, we're up in Indy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I can't wait to show you. It's going to be good. I almost didn't want to mention the idea to you just in case you did get hooked on it because uh, that is a very deep rabbit hole, my friend. Well, there's so many pieces. That's the problem. Um, which yeah. is you know part of what you get with a Porsche, which is nice. But um, yeah, I'm actually chasing um, a similar project. Um, but a little different in that I've got a, a buddy of mine here in town who does some custom metal work and he uh, has been make, starting to make a lot of bits for the 997 and 996, um, you know, things over the uh, shifter, 
uh, yeah. things like that. And so I've been kind of bending his ear a little bit of maybe doing a project for the 901 to do all of the stuff you've basically done in carbon fiber, right? So the cup holder trim, oh. the um, trim mm-hmm. on the either side of the steering wheel, the chrono uh, housing, yep. you know, that kind of stuff, which on my car is all the standard silver from Porsche, the kind of stock silver. Yep. Which yeah. looks nice, but is, you know, like you said in your video on the carbon stuff, it's like kind of plasticky and whatever. I'm thinking yeah. about doing that in a matte or satin finished um, brushed black or dark gray metal to go with the Ooh, wheels nice. and all that stuff to do a really custom yeah. look in the interior yeah. and have them make a bunch of those parts for me. So that may be my rabbit hole in the interior. Uh, and I cannot afford to do that in the weather. So I think that might be where I end up going. <laughs> nice. That sounds like a, uh, a product that could be 911 South merch. Well, yeah. I mean, if it, if the prototypes work and all that, then maybe he and I will, you know, collaborate on me pushing it out there and I don't know, taking five uh, percent of the back end. <laughs> That's probably all. He there did, you go. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bud. Well, good speaking with you, and uh, I'll see you in Indianapolis soon. Okay, sounds good, James. Thanks for having me on. Well, that's it for another podcast, you guys. That was Andrew Gladden from 911 South. Go check out his Instagram and check out his YouTube channel. Uh, such a nice guy. Uh, looking forward to hanging out with him at Luft in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, in the meantime, I'm uh, going to open up a package that arrived for me today. Uh, my new prints from Drew over at Cool Collective. Uh, for a long time now, I've had a couple of my own prints hanging up on the wall by the side of my car. And, um, you know, they're fine, but they're not cool collective cool uh, so i've got three of those waiting i've got three frames i'm looking forward to putting that together this afternoon uh, and then over the weekend uh tomorrow there's an event uh in medina um just uh west of the twin cities at an autoplex basically a high-end uh condo garage condo kind of complex um where you know you buy a garage you hang out in your man cave you work on your cars and, and that's all that's there. Other, other car enthusiasts with uh, with their sort of separate man caves on this little um, condo community. They open it up every couple of months and you can go walk through all the garages, see all the cool cars. So I'm taking my kids, uh, Luke and Adam, to see that tomorrow. Uh, so that's it. More content coming soon, as always. Um, hope you're safe and well, getting out and driving as much as possible. I'll catch you in another podcast soon. Take care. Bye.